I'm John Lovitz, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian and actor Brian Scalaro. Because I'm a big fan of not hitting people over the head with comedy. Like Monty Python would always play dramatic music during their skits. And that's what I like. I like it when they make it silly by making it serious. We'll hear more from Brian in just a bit. He talks about Mad Men and working on Disney Channel and doing stand-up comedy, of course. Song of the Week is from the 1975. I didn't like it at first, now it's all I can listen to. We have a dumb bit first, though. We got hate mail. So, yeah, as I said in the intro, we got hate mail. It was really exciting because uh, we never get mail. And uh, it goes back to a bit I did. Gosh, let me see here. Let me look on the SoundCloud page. This is actually where it came from. We got the hate mail via SoundCloud, which is really the best way to get your hate mail uh, if you're a young broadcaster out there. Let me see. I posted this how long ago? Uh, asking questions. Two years ago. This is from uh, an old, old episode of PS Tape Record. Let me see if I can uh, actually find out which episode it was from. I cannot, but it's from a really, really old episode. And anyway, what happened was I um, had posted the entire episode that Alex Stone and Mike Cronin were on, the comedians from Cincinnati. Oh, and by the way, here's a funny story. Um, I posted that whole episode at the behest of their label, Rooftop Comedy. and said, post that on your SoundCloud page, and then we'll distribute it on our SoundCloud page and tweet about it and everything. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. So I did that. It's got 833 hits. Thank you very much for everybody who's listening to it via SoundCloud, more than any other the tracks I posted there. But um. Here's the funny thing. I, I tweeted out about their episode, both of them being, oh, I played a clip from their albums, I think it was or something like that, and I put it, and those two guys favorited the tweet. They didn't retweet it, <laughs> like, go listen to the episode. Don't go listen to PS Tape Recorder. Just, we just want PF to know that we like the fact that we were on there, which I thought was just amazing. So anyway, um, oh, and then Alex wanted me to like his podcast. Uh, he, he does a one with... Uh, with another comedian, uh, uh, Sam Evans, and it's uh, it's pretty funny. It's called uh, "Fu We Like the Bengals," and what they do is they just trash talk each Cincinnati Bengals opponent each week. Even though they live in New York City, they still follow the Bengals. And so uh, I was going to send him a message and say, "Well, uh, like my podcast verse, bitch." All right, and Alex has been on several times. And anyway, I digress. The uh, asking questions and not asking questions about Obamacare. This is a strange one because it is the second most listened to. A SoundCloud clip I have, and it's really it has 12 downloads too, which is insane. It's weird. But what the bit was about, real quick, was um, back right after uh, Obamacare was implemented, uh, there were all these stories that oh, companies now are cutting uh, medical benefits, and the UPS was cited as one of them. Well, what UPS was doing, they didn't really uh, bother to tell you in detail, was they were doing what companies had been doing for years, and that is if you and your spouse both work for a company that has health care, they ask that you, uh, your spouse get health care from their own employer, and then one of you guys takes the kids. So someone still loses uh, in, this, in this deal, but at least not one, one company isn't bearing the brunt of it while one company is getting away with not having to pay insurance. Okay? I mean, it makes sense. You know, it's not really a, a, a dastardly thing to do. But um, and then I think I made the point in there that you know even if UPS, uh, you know, UPS probably could afford to pay everybody's healthcare that worked for them because they I played a clip where they had made record profits and that was my other thing. So anyway, so I got this uh, uh message. I guess this guy must have gone 
uh, seen the tweet about Alex or something and Mike being on the podcast, and he thought that the SoundCloud page was the podcast, and it's not. The SoundCloud page is just clips from the show or other things I find interesting, like I've got an old uh, Budweiser commercial from Oingo Boingo, and one from Icicle Works on there. Just I had nowhere else to put them. I thought you might enjoy them. And uh, things like that. So anyway, uh, registered user 77 writes in episode 121, which I guess is what this what originally came from. It's the above. Uh, downloaded about five of your podcasts. Again, he, I think he just listened to the clips. He didn't actually listen to the actual podcast over at Podbean or through iTunes. The titles all looked good. Then randomly clicked on 121 which I guess is Obamacare one. Couldn't find anything in the entire podcast that was funny. I really tried. Of all the audio clips, and then this is in the Bash the Basher segment. We don't have a Bash the Basher segment, so I'm confused there. I couldn't find any in which the people wanted to strip people's jobs from them. I couldn't either. I don't know what you're talking about. Using profanity and vulgarity to insult them. Again, beat most profanity. I'm very cagey when using uh, cuss words. Uh, UPS is one of the most profit-laden companies in the world, yet they are eliminating another healthcare benefit, admittedly like many companies, question mark. Well, yeah. <laughs> they, yes, they are. You are quite intellectually dishonest. No, those are all the facts. I played the clips from them. I researched this. You, you folks know me. I, I research things meticulously. Uh, there is a reason why podcasts like yours who use unacceptable language for the general public don't take off. Okay, well, I think the reason my podcast doesn't take off is because I'm not funny. I am a, a, an average interviewer, and it's, you know, I'm a, little, I'm a guy sitting in his family room in Ohio. So that's probably the main reason. So I replied to him, hey, thanks for reaching out. I don't know if you saw the podcast tagline, but it's my, in parentheses, hopefully funny podcast. So, so there's that. And 4,000 people a week seem to enjoy it, though I'm 90% sure they just listen for the interview. So in other words, no one's listening to this right now. What I'm saying to you right now, people are skipping through this to go to the interview. Uh, anyway, with, with the comedians. And the dumb bits, as I call them, though they may be dumb, are in fact, believe it or not, researched. But hey, like any good businessman, I stand behind my product. Where do I send the refund? Huh? Huh? Boom! All right. Score one for PF. Okay, that was the hate mail, and I've, I've kept you far too long. Uh, let's go on to the big interview. This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. Brian Scalaro is a stand-up comedian and actor you've seen all over the place, whether it's doing stand-up on late-night television or acting in series all the way from Disney Channel's Wizards of Waverly Place to Mad Men. Here now is our interview with Brian Scalaro. All right, so anyway... Yeah, well, we, you said you're saying you haven't done this in a while? We haven't done this in a while. <laughs> About uh, two years ago, I think I interviewed you uh, for City Pages, and uh, for what? for for City Pages, you were uh, performing at uh, House of Comedy, I reckon. Oh my God! Okay, yeah, 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 that's right. I remember we talked about you being on uh, like Disney Channel and things like that, and uh, I was thinking, oh you know, uh, looking at your IMD, IMDb page uh, the other day, I noticed you're what we call a uh, you're a working actor apart from being a stand-up comedian. You seem to be like in a lot of stuff. Yeah, no, I've been I, I've been lucky lucky enough to uh, to to have a theatrical agent who's very good, and I get in I get in for a lot of things the comics don't get in for, yeah. like like Mad Men. 
So oh, I'm yeah. very happy to do that. I just started watching that. I'm in, like, season uh, two, episode three, and I'm trudging oh, through it. Oh, that's good. Isn't, isn't yeah, it a good show? I love it. My wife, uh, she won't watch it, so I've got to watch it after oh, yeah. she falls asleep on my phone. Eh, it's just it's not her bag. Interesting. Was she like zombies? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, she likes some um, Shameless. <laughs> The Showtime series Shameless, we enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. We and en- this feels like Mad Men. It feels like very similar. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Oh, let me, uh, real quick, can we use this audio for my podcast? I forgot to ask you that. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. I, I guess I better get funny then. <laughs> no, um, that's okay. What, to the City Pages is a website or a newspaper? It's a, a weekly newspaper, like the LA Weekly or the Village Voice. In fact, uh, well, it was owned by the Village Voice. Now it's owned by the Daily Paper there in Minnesota. And you do, you're in Cincinnati, That's but right. yet the papers are in Minneapolis. Yeah, for a while there, when the economy was good, I wrote for a lot of papers. I've always written for City Beat here in Cincinnati, but then I also wrote for uh, Cleveland Scene, which is my hometown. Uh, then a whole bunch of papers like Miami New Times and the uh, Folio in Jacksonville, the Houston Press and uh, Westward in Denver. Awesome. But when the economy crashed, the only one that stuck around was City Pages in Minneapolis and, of course, City Beat. And occasionally I'll, uh, I'll put some stuff in the Houston Press or the Denver paper or things like that, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, awesome. Yeah, let's go back. Um, I don't uh, think we got into this much detail last time. Let, we just do a Mark Marin on this thing. Where are you from originally? Where do you come from, man? I was born in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, pr- pr- pretty much at the base of the Verrazano Bridge in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Oh, wow. And I was raised in Brooklyn and Queens. And I started doing comedy in the city, in Manhattan. And then about 2001, I received $5,000 from a network sitcom to move to L.A. So oh. I've been in Los Angeles for 14 years. Okay. So it, it, what happened with the sitcom? Oh, it was called Three Sisters. It was a it was a good show. It was written by the girls who write The Middle on ABC with Patricia Heaton. Okay. So, so it's a, it was a good show. The only thing that was wrong with it is that when it premiered, 9-11 happened. So people really weren't watching uh, television that much, if you remember. No. You know, like, it was generally the news and, like, let's let's hang out with our family. And, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but it was a good show. It was on before Frasier, I think in Frasier's last season or something like that. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, no, we had Emerald for a lead-in. Remember there was a sitcom? Yeah, yeah, oh, that's right. Nazi? Yeah. Yeah, I think oh that God. was another reason we didn't do that. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, it was a great show. It was actually my favorite character that I've ever played oh, out of cool. all the years. Yeah, because they wrote, they wrote me as a real person with, uh, you know, like a lot of times you get on TV, and if you're a fat guy, you're playing the fat guy. And yeah. if you're the handsome guy, you're playing the handsome guy. But on the character on Three Sisters, had, he had ups and downs, he had wants, he had fears. He, he was like, he wasn't, he was an actual regular guy. And it was, uh, they gave me a, a great story arc with this girl. It was tremendous fun. Tremendous fun. I learned to act on NBC without anybody watching. Ah, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I, yeah, um, I was very happy. I was listening to uh, some other podcast, uh, and they were talking about 9-11, and another thing that got affected by that was uh, Zoolander, the movie, uh, came out like the day a day after or the three days after, and that's why nobody really went and saw that movie. And I never realized that. A lot of things really... Like you said, came to a halt, especially. And I guess you being yeah, a New Yorker yeah. probably impacted you even more. Well, yeah, I lost friends. I lost, I lost four friends, and uh, you know the twin towers were completed on the the year I was born. So there was always a connection between me and the twin towers, and I always saw them out my window growing up my whole life. Yeah. 
So I moved to uh, Los Angeles about a month before it happened. Like I was you know, oh. starting my career, and then that happened. But you know, I'm not making that level about me. But that's yeah. no, no, it's just, you know, that, that definitely it definitely uh, affected my it definitely affected my career. Like uh, I was right on the first time on TV. It was a fun show, and nobody was watching it because the world was at war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Did, now you you started out being interested more so in acting, didn't you, or were you always interested in comedy? My initial love was uh, comedy acting was my initial love. My father showed me Marx Brothers and Laurel and Hardy and Abbott Costello, and then my mother showed me John Belushi and Bill Murray, and I wanted to do that. I wanted to bring joy to people the way that they brought joy to me. And plus, I was young. I wanted the attention as well. Yeah. And then... Yeah, I, I guess at some uh, at some point I discovered in fifth grade I discovered George Carlin, and I was like, oh, I want to do that too, you know. And weird enough, I discovered I saw Bill Cosby and George Carlin when I was like fourteen, and uh, I kind of feel like my style is a combination of the two of their styles. So it's like comedy was a second love, stand-up comedy was a second love, um, but now I like dramatic acting more so than comedy acting. It's really it's bizarre. I, you, know, you grow and you change, you know. Like I used to not like shrimp, now I really like shrimp. Oh yeah, yeah. That's funny. I, I was I do a joke in my uh, hideous open mic set where I talk about my daughter. <laughs> my daughter's right. kind of a picky eater, and I tell her, well, just because you didn't like a food before doesn't mean you won't like it now. For example, I didn't like uh, spinach till I was nineteen. I didn't like coffee right. till I was twenty six. I didn't like beer till I was twelve. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but yeah. um. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, I, still, I still don't like coffee. I won't drink coffee. <laughs> yeah, I love it now. Um, I still like I tea. Don't still, like the smell. I put but, uh, the cup to my in my, my mouth yeah. and I smell it. And I go, no, nah, I don't want to really drink beans. Huh? That's strange. Um, yeah, uh, so, you bet it is. A, a lot of guys. Um, it's strange. You were talking about you know going from comedy acting to serious acting. A lot of guys have gone from one side to the other. Leslie Nielsen, probably most famously, going from a dramatic actor to being known to a, a generation of kids younger than us. Uh, yeah, as, as, a, a as a comedy actor. actor, not known as a as a straight actor. In fact, I was twelve when Airplane came out, but I knew him from Forbidden Planet. I knew he'd been on cop shows, and then yeah. I guess he got the other way around. People getting I, so. What do you think? That just comes from like people have maybe pushed that part of their craft so far, and they want to try something else. I, I actually don't know. I think that Airplane. I think that um, who are those guys? The, the Zucker brothers. They were uh, Zucker brothers yeah, and Abrams. And Abrams, yeah. We're like, you know, we got to get really dramatic actors to make this funny. Because I'm a big fan of not hitting people over the head with comedy. Right. Like Monty Python would always play dramatic music yeah. during their skits. Yep. And that's what I like. I like it when they make it silly by making it serious. So like they were like, let's hire this guy because he was a dramatic actor and he's been in these type of movies. And then he, then they just the offers kept going in, and he just went that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think he really made a decision. I was, he was like, okay, I'll do that. That sounds fun. Well, and then yeah. it just, like, I love the show Police Squad. Do you remember Police yeah. Squad? Yeah, I show that to my comedy classes. Uh, I teach comedy writing to gifted kids on Saturdays in the uh, fall and stuff. Yeah, and for the last class, I, I show, Police Squad. we watch Police Squad. Well, he, goes, show, co- he goes, cover me, and he throws the blanket over yeah. him, and the guy just runs around with a blanket over him. <laughs> <laughs> We've got men, got men working around the clock, cut to the cops, all standing around the grandfather clock. Sort yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. It's really funny. Yeah. The first, I love that show. Yeah. Well, the thing I tell my students with that show is that you know they made six of them in the summer of, I guess, 1980. And I said, by the time you get to the fifth one, you can see where they'd have a really, really hard time stretching this thing out to, like, 22 episodes. 
I bet you they could have done it. I don't I know. know. I wish they hadn't been canceled. Well, I bet you they could have done it. I noticed it, by the fifth one, uh, they're, you're starting to repeat a lot of gags. Cigarette, yes, I know. That comes up a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny, yeah, yeah, and then you know, of course they had they had running gags that did have legs. Like at the opening, there they, they, you'd see the guest star. Uh, yeah, and like Lauren and Green. And, and they, did you know John Belushi was supposed to do yes. it? Yes, and they recycled. And then he, and then he actually died. Yeah, then they recycled either the Shatner one or the Lauren Green one for in Belushi's spot. They'd, yeah, they had filmed it and everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. They filmed it. Yeah, I don't know how crazy, I remember that. Huh? Yeah. Um, you know, we were watching TV the other day, and uh, I don't know why my daughters were watching this, because I think they've they've moved beyond it, but Wizards of Waverly Place was on, and it was one of your episodes. Wow, that's and I, weird. And I said, I've that interviewed so this weird. guy before. Yeah, I would have done a lot more of those, but they, they, Disney got rid of the guy. The guy who made the show great was named Peter Marietta, and he's the one that hired me. He used to be a writer on Three Sisters. Oh, okay. So he knew me. Ah. So he got me this part on as a goblin, uh, a goblin police officer for wizards. And uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And uh, and then, like, he moved on to another show, so I didn't get hired anymore. But I did two episodes of it. And let me tell you, it was fun. Like, I was dressed up like this goblin. It was the first time I ever wore prosthetics on my face. Oh, and wow. I was walking around the lot. I don't know if you're a friend of Greg Giraldo. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of I, him. I, I interviewed him years ago, yeah, before he passed. Yeah, so we, we were friends from New York. And I moved to L.A. And we hadn't seen each other that much anymore. So he was on the phone, actually, in the parking lot of the studios, Disney Studios. And he was talking to his wife on the phone. And then I saw him, because I was smoking a cigarette. And I'm dressed like a goblin. Huh. And I was like, Greg! And I just started running up to him. <laughs> so I'm just like a goblin. She doesn't recognize me. And he goes, hang on, honey. There's a maniac here who thinks he knows me. <laughs> and, then I, and then I was like, hey, great. He goes, oh, Brian. <laughs> it was just really funny. <laughs> yeah, my uh, daughter's become a lot more, she's 10 now. She's become more critical of Disney shows and, and uh, accused of being yeah. a bit formulaic. And I said, well, I quote you. I said, you know, this, this guy, Brian Scalaro, told me that they purposely want people to be over the top. I remember you telling me that last yeah. time. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. They, they want you to overact there. Like, I just did another Disney show called Crash and Bernstein. It was the first time I ever acted with a puppet. I've <laughs> always wanted to do a scene with a puppet. Now, when I was watching Sesame Street as a kid, uh, like, they would have actors, like famous actors, do a scene with, like, Oscar or the Grouch or Cookie Monster. But I always liked it when the actors weren't friends with the puppets but were arguing with them. <laughs> yeah. Like when Jim like Jim Carrey would argue with Grover or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I and John Cleese would argue with Kermit the Frog on the Muppet Show. Right. Like I wanted to do that. So I got to argue with a puppet on Crash and Crash <laughs> I was but I that's that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, but they want you to overact and I, it's a beginner sitcom. It's like a starter sitcom for kids. Yeah. And then you know, they want you to hit the beat so hard that the kids understand it's a beat. That's a, it's a joke. It's, you know, and it's actually very hard to do. They go from Mad Men to shooting a scene with a puppet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, okay, no, I'll try it. I mean, here I am making it realistic when it's not supposed to be, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it's strange, too, because the first uh, Disney sitcoms I saw were probably the first ones they made, which was my oldest daughter was little, and that was uh, Lizzie McGuire and even Stevens, both shot on film. Wow. Both shot without a laugh track. 
but still, my youngest daughter noticed, well, they still kind of follow the same formula. You got the center character who's yeah. pretty sane. You got a wacky older sibling. The dad is kind of goofy. The mom is kind of centered. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're right. That's yeah. even Stevens. <laughs> they make the parents very stupid. And yeah, they make yeah. teachers very stupid. Yeah. And I understand. Sure. That's exactly that's what, what kids like. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I think it's starting to work. I don't watch Disney audience. Channel anymore unless, I'm, unless I have to masturbate or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the that Mad... too much. That the, was too much. <laughs> the Mad Men <laughs> yeah, gig... The Mad Men gig, how did that, uh, is that something you, uh, your agent got you uh, a, a tryout for, or did you just go in audition for it? How did that come together? Yeah, I went in, I went in audition for it. One of my agents uh, sends people in for that show, and I was in town, and I put on a suit. I didn't know what the part was. It was a very, it's a very mysterious, when you audition for that show, when you used to audition for that show, they didn't tell you what the scenes were. Like, all the names are changed, and you don't know what you're reading. Oh, wow. I mean, you don't, yeah, so it's kind of like how Woody Allen audition it sends people just their scenes, so you don't know what the plot line is, and you don't know. So I had no idea what the scene was about, but I uh, I just figured it out on my feet. And Matthew Weiner was there, and he was like, and I was like, I don't stand. He goes, Don't worry about it. And I did it, and then he was like, Okay, that's good. Try to be more New York, more low class. And I'm like, All right, and uh, we, he just like directed me. I think they try to see if you can take direction. Okay, and if and if you can. Then I think that's basically what gets people. Besides being really good looking, that's if you're not good looking, you can you take direction. Yeah. You know. But that's what I love about Mad Men. Mad Men was it's all it was all moments. Yeah. And it's like it, it's it's one it was one it's a wonderful show. It's like this it's all moments and uh, played so realistically. My favorite thing about the Mad Men scene is that you know every time I'm on TV, I love to have live at least once. Yeah. But they won't let you ad-lib on a Matthew Weiner script. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, like, for instance, my line was, you're a real gentleman. So I said, you're a, you're a real gentleman. And they came up to me and they go, the line's not, you're a, you're a real gentleman. It's you're a real gentleman. And I was like, oh, okay. So I, I was like, they don't want me to fuck with the lines at all. <laughs> like, not, like, so I uh, wanted to ad-lib. So I, I got to ad-lib physically in the scene and create a beat that wasn't in the scene. Like, I, I don't want to root it for you because you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But I got to, I got to, uh, just stare at a guy, like, angrily, and he got scared. Jared Harris, Jared Harris's character, Layton. Right. And he gets scared, and they left it in. They even came to me and said, make that longer, make it longer. So I created something that wasn't on the page, but I was allowed to do because there was no lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was. I'm still thrilled by that. Yeah, like every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, I got the, I got the. Like, you know, I'm used to making people laugh. Right. So to 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 do something dramatic and have what I did, uh, have have what I did uh, liked by the director so much that she kept it in and made it longer. That's that was the thrill because that I hadn't done before. That's very cool. Like arguing with a puppet or wearing prosthetics. <laughs> you gotta you gotta celebrate the little tiny victories. I guess so. Yeah. So are you still yeah. doing mostly stand-up now or acting? What's the kind of the balance of your work? This, this year, this year I've been working the road way too much. I, I've been on the road nonstop. I haven't seen my bed in three, four months. Oh my gosh! And actually, my theatrical agents are like, "Hey, when you're coming back to town, you're missing all these auditions." Like, I, like Mark Marin offered me a part on his show. And oh, I cool! Couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Oh, I Love that show. And Mark, I had a Modern Family audition. And I couldn't do it because I was in uh, Tampa, I think. Huh. So, yeah, it just, it's, I need to stop playing the road. 
But yeah, you play the road to make your rent. Yep. So you can have an apartment in L.A. to audition. Okay, auditions, but yeah. you can't make the auditions because you're on the road paying the rent for the apartment to audition. Makes no sense. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's my life now. It doesn't make any sense. That's that's weird. You mentioned two sh- I only watch like a handful of shows, and Modern Family and Marin are two of the shows that I watch. Yeah, I love Marin. You know, I got the Louis. The other thing is I do the voiceover for the Louis show. You know, like coming up next on Louis, the following program is rated TV MLA for penises and vaginas. <laughs> you know? Like, I do that voice. So wherever I am in the country, they call me and they go, yeah, I have a half hour to find a studio. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I just got to get in the cab and find a studio and record a voiceover for the Louie show. Wow. You know, and that's, I'm proud to be a part of it, even though I'm not really on yeah. the show. I'm proud to be involved in it. You it's know? funny. So what are you talking about now on Louis, stage these days? What's that? What are you talking about on stage these days? Uh, I, I still try, I, I like doing universal stuff, but with an edge. Like, I... Uh, let's see, what's a good example? Um, you know, I have like, I have like, uh, I talk about, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard to say. My stuff is really silly. There's different segments to my act. I grew up watching Carlin. So I like, I like how Carlin would divide this set into blocks. He's like, here's a block that's serious. Here's a block that's silly. Yeah. Here's a block about farts. Here's a block of, you know, and so it's like I have one portion of the show where I talk about how to kill somebody and get away with it. <laughs> it's all silly. And I have one, you know, I have like uh, a bunch of one-liners, you know, like, um, do you think somewhere in the world there's a Chinese guy who's really ticklish and his name is Gitchy Goo? <laughs> like a lot of dumb lines like that. Yeah. And then at the end, I had this whole universal thing that's kind of like, you know, like, I, that's kind of like sound effects, but yet uh, with words about my body, you know, oh, okay. sounds that come out of my body, you oh. know, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's universal. It's a great way to hand the show because it unifies, no matter your race, age, gender, um, or uh, sexual or religious orientation, we all have the same eight noises. Yeah. You know, and then, so I just go into that. It's like I'm not trying to change. Some guys are really edgy. Like I, and some guys are, uh, and I love those guys. Those guys the guys I prefer to watch. When they do a joke that's so dangerous that it blows you away. And yet, I don't think that works on me. And I don't think the clean cut stuff works on me. So I'm somewhere in the middle where I'm like universal but edgy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it it kind of comes across in your persona. Yeah, I'm not doing rape jokes. No. But I'm not not doing family jokes either. Yeah. It's some kind of nonsense. It's my own style. And I really have never been able to put a finger on what it is, which is probably why I'm not that successful. Uh, Well, you're a funny guy from Brooklyn. That I think people yeah, can still relate to. Yeah, so. I get paid. I get paid. I get laughs. There I'm you fun. Go. Exactly. You know, well, I go home. I, I occasionally meet a drunk girl in the audience who likes <laughs> five guys. My life's not bad. <laughs> well, there you go, man. Well, it sounds like things are going well for you. Yeah, things are okay. Things, things are, I'm really happy to play Acme. I love... I've never played Acme before, and I'm very excited to finally get in there. I'm aware... That is during the Minnesota State Fair or something like that? I think so. I've, I was reading somewhere on Facebook about that. I've only been to Minnesota twice for an hour in the airport. So, But I, uh, of course, follow all the pages <laughs> up there and stuff, and so I know what's going on. And uh, so Yeah, yeah, no, not here. everybody in Minnesota goes to the State Fair. Yeah. So I'm pretty much up against that. But, you know, it's my first time playing there, and they're, they're, uh, they're checking me out. And I'm, I think that... Uh, from what I understand, I'll fit really well into this club. I think so. I'm very flattered. Wendy Liebman and Nick DiPaolo both uh, 
got me into the room. Oh, okay, yeah, and, I love Wendy. Yeah, and, you know, I've known I love Wendy, and I've known Nick for years. And one phone call from each of them, and I'm in the room. You know, there you go. So I come well recommended. So if, if people in the area don't know me, you can't go to the Minnesota State Fair every day. Exactly. <laughs> you know, spend one night. Come to me. I'll make you laugh. Then you go home, and you can forget all about it. Yeah. Boy, it's funny. Wendy's got a lot of <laughs> Wendy's got a lot of pull in the comedy business because she recommended some people out of that scene for uh, Last Comic Standing, and uh, she's not even from yeah. Minnesota. She's from California originally, or no, she's from the East Coast, and then she's been in yeah, California for forever. Yeah, but... I love Wendy. She's yeah. got great jokes. She oh, has man. one joke. They they both have two of my favorite jokes. Wendy Levin goes, uh, "I have an insecurity issue. Like if I'm in a department store and I want to complain, I'll ask for the assistant manager." <laughs> <laughs> and Nick DiPaolo has a great joke where he goes. Uh, I told my wife to bleach her asshole, so she threw Clorox in my face. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's good. like you can't get two more different styles. No, no, no. I, I've interviewed Wendy a couple of times, and she's great fun. I think I've interviewed Nick once. He's he's a funny cat too. But um, yeah, uh, they're both great. They're both really good people, yeah. and I'm happy that Nick's now on the Schumer Amy Schumer show. Oh, yeah. He's been on Louie a lot, and I am happy that comedians are helping each other out. Yes, it's really nice. You it know. Is. It's really, really, really nice to that they were there for me, and that you know Louis there for Nick, and Amy, and then Amy's there for everybody. Yep. I don't know. It, it's a wonderful. Uh, I almost want to move back to New York just to be a part of that uh, oh, yeah. camaraderie again. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Because I like acting, so I'm in LA. You there know? you go. What can you do? Well, again, thanks for taking the time, and uh, good luck to you the rest yeah, of the way. Patrick, you take care. I'll talk to you in another three years, I guess. All right. Thanks, Brian. Bye bye. Right, bye bye. Thanks again to Brian Scalaro for being on the show. You can catch Brian up in Canada starting in November. Uh, let me see, November 5th uh, through the 7th. Looks like he's in Montreal at the Comedy Nest. Then he goes over to Ottawa from October 10th through the 14th to play Absolute Comedy there. And then he's back over to, uh, no, he's down to Aruba in the middle of the month. Hmm, boy, lucky guy. And then, uh, yeah, and then he's in New York City at the end of the month. So if you just go to brianscalaro.com, you'll find all the Brian Scalaro information you need. Boy, uh, lots to get to before we get to the song. Well, not a whole lot. We're going to skip the credits as we usually do when we have a lot on our plate. Um, first of all, let me see. Oh, uh, read Bob Gray's book, uh, Attack of the Melon Heads. Uh, there's a link to it on the Podbean site, pfradio.podbean.com. If you're listening to this any other way than through the website, which most of you are, because we have 4,000 weekly listeners, and only about 30 of those actually come through Podbean. Anyway, uh, so read that, Tack of the Melon Heads, just look it up in your favorite search engine. It's really good. We're going to try and have Bob on to talk about it. Um, he is either really busy, which is good because this book's blowing up for him, or he's still mad at me for comparing his friends on the radio station in Cleveland to the KB, KBBL guys from The Simpsons, which, <laughs> I mean, they, they did. <laughs> God, there's nothing I can do. So let me see. Um, I guess that is it. Uh, we're just get to the song of the week then. Lots of great candidates for song of the week, by the way. Um, we also have a lot of dumb bits in the hopper, mostly CSIs. We have like four or five CSIs stacked up ready to go to investigate. Uh, like I said, and some other dumb bit ideas as well. And anyway, uh, a lot of song of the weeks in the hopper. Uh, this one is, at first, I didn't like it, I told you at the, in the intro, and now it's all I can listen to. It's the 1975. It is their brand new track. It is called Love Me, and it is our song of the week on PS Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening.
times. 